0: Exploring the word of God together allows us to share in the joy that comes from discovering the words of hope and salvation which overflow from our Bibles. Upper Room Media presents to you this educational, enlightening and entertaining Bible study. Prepare to be transformed. the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Amen. We'll continue the Bible study and the uh, Song of Songs chapter 1 verse 15. We saw so far that the book of songs talks about our relationship between us and God. And we saw that it talks about different stages. So far we are in the period where we call it initial grace, when the person started to taste God for the first time. And that period is highlighted by a lot of conversation between God I'm talking to him so much, I'm praying with him so much, I'm enjoying him so much, then nothing can distract me. I'm so focused because I'm overwhelmed by the grace of God. And that period can happen at different ages, at different times. So that's why it's important for us to be careful because sometime maybe you have a group of kids in one college grade or high school grade and one person will be experiencing God and the other are not. So for those who are experiencing God, have to be careful because I have to protect that grace and I have to keep it clear. In the initial grace, we said that we discover the human soul is dark, I'm full of sin, and but I know that I'm still invited to a special relationship with God. Even in the Council of the Saints, I feel so close to God. and. Look at how the human soul is speaking. She knows she's dark. She sees the children of God so beautiful. But she has such a unique relationship with God. And this is how we all experience God. And as we said before, God loves each one of us in a different, unique way. That he does not love anybody else the same way. So we all have a room where we feel so special. And also what god is trying to perfect in us god is trying to make a saint out of each one of us that never existed before yes the life of saintlihood is something that has a lot of footprints that we share but who are you who you become as a perfected saint and the journey you take with god it's extremely unique so here the lord continue verse 15 is talking to the human soul That's the human soul that just feels the initial grace. It has not yet, obviously, grown. It has not yet married to God. Just a beautiful soul that desires God. He tells her, Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes. When the Lord repeats the time fair three three times, it means you are the most beautiful. You are the most amazing god sees his children the most beautiful this is not a, a compliment that god has given to the human soul but is how he sees the soul remember when god created adam and eve god said and he saw man to be very good so especially wonderful and that's important and then the lord says here he says you have dove's eyes. In Syria, the doves used to have wide eyes, and uh, they're known to be, this is an element of their beauty. And obviously, the eyes are counting for so much communication between people. Like when people have eye contact, there's so much nonverbal communication that happens, sometimes more than words. So, when God says you have doves' eyes, He says, your eyes are expressing so much love that that fills my heart with joy the bible says the lamb of the body is the eyes in in a spiritual sense obviously the eye is the mind but in also the physical sense the eyes is what we see people with the eyes expresses what's in the heart like for example if somebody's eye is materialistic If they see like a fancy house, their eyes widen and they're excited and they wish they have something like that. If somebody sees a fancy car, their eyes widened. Somebody sees a celebrity. If somebody sees, for example, uh, a person that they respect. So where your eyes reflect excitement shows what's in your heart. There's also people whose eyes show That they have a spiritual desire. When you see for example uh, a beautiful holy person that you can benefit from, when you see your Bible at home, when you see a potential for a retreat where you can spend time with God, when you see God in the most difficult situation and you see him in the most joyful situation, those are the people that have dove's eyes. Those are the people that have dove's eyes. In the scripture, the Holy Spirit always represented as a dove. Why? Because the dove groans. And why it groans? Because it intercedes for us. So when he says the dove's eye, he's talking about an eye that was perfected or touched by the Holy Spirit. It's perfected and touched by the Holy Spirit the eyes as well also shows our our response to the world remember when the lord said i sent you a sheep in the midst of wolves what did he say he says therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves." so i'm i am living in a world where people are extremely violent toward me people are envious and jealous and they wish people bad and stab you in the back and all this stuff, a world full of war and, and pandemics and sickness and all that stuff. But what's my, response? what's my response to all that's in the world? God says, be wise and be gentle. Be wise and be gentle. There are eyes in the Bible that God looked at with great love and the one example I give here is a tax collector when he stood in the back of the church and the temple and he said "What I am not worthy I am not worthy there are many saints in the church where all their life they used to look at the cross and the wounds of our Lord Jesus Christ and the needs of the people around them and how can they become more on the image of God so when God looks at us he wants in the eyes God can see the eyes could be the mind could be the eye contact God can see the beauty of this eye that desires him and the desire is what sparked the response to the initial grace now the human soul Remember, the initial grace is a constant dialogue between you and God. It's easy to hear him, it's easy to see him. So the soul says, behold, you are handsome, my beloved. Yes, pleasant, also our bed is green. So the human soul is responding to God and telling God, God, you're so beautiful, you're so handsome, you're so fair. Why? Because we learn how to speak to God from how God sees us. God spoke to the human soul in verse 15 and said, you are fair, you are fairest among everybody. The human soul says, you are are handsome, more handsome than anybody else. The prayer becomes much stronger when I express the quality of God that he has given me to experience. When I go to confession, come back and tell God, God you're so merciful and I could sing about the mercies of God. You're so gentle, you're so forgiving. When I look over the years and see that God has created new habits in me, I say, God you are a true creator, not because only created the sun and the moon, but you created a new being inside of me the day when I commit sin and God covers me. I tell God, you are my defender, your defender of the weak and those who are in need. My prayer is a response to what God has done in my life. And if I I am able to see what God is doing in my life, my prayer would be so strong and so beautiful because it would be a conversation with God God initiates toward me with a promise with a verse from the bible with even um, a a situation around me and I am responding to his hands in my life and then she's telling him bed is green what does she mean by this the king in the old in that time used to have uh, like a couch made of grass that he would rest at at noon like during it when it's really hot sometimes he would go outside and he would be resting under on a couch that's made out of grass but she's telling him that i'm resting with you at noon and why is that important because this is the time of the crucifixion how is a soul able to pray to God so much when it's able to respond to the love on the cross? How is the the soul is able to meditate on God so much when it's able to respond on the cross? I remember before last Great Lent, I was reading a book and I and I tried to apply something, but I found it to be very hard. A spiritual father was telling a nun, he her during Lent, whenever you eat, meditate on the wounds of God. And I said, okay, let me try it. So I tried it for, um, for a couple of times, but I found it to be extremely difficult. How can you eat? And you're overwhelmed by the love of God at that moment. It's not, because you, it's not because you feel upset for God, but you feel a sense of unworthiness at that moment. One of the Jewish rabbis looked at the, at, the, at the couch green to be the temple. This is where God would rest with his own people. And for us, obviously, I rest with God on the cross on a personal retreat when me and him are alone. The couch reflects an intimate time, an intimacy time between me and God. Verse 17, he says, the beams of our house are cedar, cedar, and our rafters of fir." What does that mean? It's actually quite beautiful. Remember, there are two things that are happening. The human soul is describing when she goes to God, and what God show, shows her, He shows her where He, where He takes care of His sheep. He takes her to the banquet. He takes her to all these fancy stuff. But then she is also saying that He comes into my heart. And what she is basically saying here, the beam of our houses are cedar, and our rafters of fir. She's saying basically our my home, her home, is very small. But it's made from inside, with the same material that they would make a palace for. Sedar is a strong wood, beams that do not fall, and fir is obviously a very fancy material. So she's saying, in my own body, that tent that I live in, from outside it looks like a small construction house, but inside it, there is royal presence. God is inside of me. God has transformed the human tent that I live in into a royal place. This is, by the way, not feelings that she shared, but a reality that happened inside. Imagine our own human being, our own body, takes inside it, for example, the Eucharist. One time, i um, share a story with you. One time, a person came and told me, wanna, um, every Wednesday, I go pray in a church nearby, and the priest would take me to go give communion with him to somebody who's sick in New York. So it became a habit. I wake up in the morning, go early, and then the priest will get into my car and will drive. I said one morning, I woke up early to go, and my wife said, I want to come with you. He told her, we're going to go give communion afterwards to New York. She said, no problem. So he said, she she rode the car with me and he said, as we're driving in the car, they heard the most beautiful, beautiful praise in the car. They look at their phones, their phones are not on. They look at the radio, the radio is not on. He asked his wife, did you hear this? She says, yes, this is so beautiful. Where is it from? They could, did not know. Once they went to give communion, they asked the Buna. They told him, they asked the priest. They told him, this is what happened. He told him, he told them, do not underestimate the fact that the Eucharist is entering your car. So the angels have to come and sing and praise preparation for receiving the eucharist inside imagine the car would receive preparation what about the heart that doesn't just only receive the eucharist in a mere physical presence but it's in a more intimate union with the human soul one of the jewish rabbis also said that that the cedar beams represent Jacob's pillow at Bethel, which became a feather bed beneath him. A small stone that Jacob slept on and he was able to see all of heaven. A small body that I put on, but inside it dwells the Lord of Lord. And that's why Jacob said, and this stone, which I have set as a pillar, Shall be God's house, and of all what you give me, I will surely give tenth to you. Our small house becomes belongs to God. Our hearts belongs to God. All of our life belongs to God. Now, the beauty of this, when we move to chapter two, is the soul starts to find its a true identity. Earlier, she said, "I was dark, but I'm beautiful." I'm. You know, there's a lot of things that mixed up who are you now after you've seen the love of God look at in chapter 2 verse 1 she says I'm a rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys so she says something beautiful she says I'm a flower among a lot of flowers but I'm a very unique flower I'm a very unique flower I'm a lily of the valley there's actually one Western Saint, she used to say, I want to be the smallest flower in the garden of God, but the ones that offer the greatest scent, the greatest smell. She started, the human soul started to see herself as beautiful, as beautiful. She is a flower in the garden of Sharon. You guys remember, sharon very close to solomon very close to shalom peace in hebrew each word has three radicals or three letters three groups of words and then three letters and then based on those a lot of words come but they usually all mean the same thing for example the word for kingdom the word for king queen to rule they're all related to the same radical so here it's also similarly so she's talking about the soul here she says, I'm a rose of Sharon, I'm a flower of peace, a flower of inner peace. A peace that God gives beyond under our understanding. There's a difference between the type of peace that the world gives and the peace that God gives. And that's why the gift that our Lord gave to the disciples before he goes to heaven, he says, My peace I leave with you. If I still f- feel more confident and I feel more content when people praise me, when I get more degrees, when I have more money in the bank, when I build muscles at the gym, if all these things are the source of things that gives me confidence and peace, then i'm still working on my own but if i have peace in health and sickness in richness and poverty in 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 all periods of my life then i'm experiencing the peace of god that surpasses all understanding by the way sharon is in, is in isaiah mentioned also in isaiah 35 1 and 2 it's in north palestine between mount Tabor. And Lake Tiberius, and it's known for her beauty and delicacy, but also loneliness. So she's a, its a beautiful place, but it's known to be lonely and, and delicate, almost like the Garden of the Saints in heaven. Now she's she she speaks of her identity. She says, "I'm a flower among many, many beautiful flowers." Now, but look at how God responds. He says, like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. God is telling her, you're just not a flower among many beautiful saints. No, you are a flower among the thorns. When I look at this world, the world is full of people who are far away from me. This is what God is saying. There are so many thorns in my crown of thorns. Constant, when God looks at the human thoughts, constant thoughts of ego, of lust, of judgment, of hatred, of self-pity, of selfishness, constant thoughts of the world. And people might go months without even lifting a single thought to God. There is a constant thorns in the crown of thorns of God. God is telling her you are a lily among the thorns. When I look at you, you comfort me in a world full of evil thoughts. Think about it, when the Lord looks from heaven at us even doing liturgy, how many of the people's mind during liturgy or doing prayers are truly lifted to God? Of all the wounds of God, The crown of thorns becomes the deepest because human can sin by their thoughts more than any other thing. Human can kill, judge, steal, envy, all that by thoughts. There's a constant thoughts that goes through the human mind while they're awake, while they're asleep. And these are thousands of opportunities for piercing a thorn through the head of God or a glory and become a lily in the midst of the world. And then God tells her, you are, so is my love among the daughters. Here obviously he means the daughters of of men, not of God. So he's telling her, you are a beautiful flower among the world. Then she responds. She says, like an apple tree among the trees of wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down in his shade with great delight, and his fruit was so sweet to my taste. See, the initial grace is a constant conversation. She says something, he responds. He says something, and that's important to know about the initial period with God. It's a constant dialogue. The apple tree obviously is known in, in the forest but it's by its fruit and it's an appealing scent. So she's describing God as somebody who stands in the forest with very beautiful scents. And she says he is among youth, emphasizing, she's placing him in the, in the class of songs because he's exciting, he's energetic. When you walk with God, it's an adventure it's not a boring relationship and as i'm telling you the human soul learns to speak from god so he told her you're a lily among the thorns so is my beloved among the daughters she's telling him you my beloved is among the sons obviously she's telling him among all the things in the world that could bring excitement there's nothing like you this is why david the prophet in psalm 89 6 he says For who in heaven can be compared to the Lord, who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? There's a special taste. These are not things that people talk about as a a wishful thinking. These are things that people have experienced. And here she talks about the, the physical union is presented by the fact that she tasted his fruit. She said, I sat, I delighted, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. There's there's an element of a physical bond, not only a spiritual and emotional, but a physical bond. That's why in Ephesians says, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceedingly richness of his grace In his likeness toward us in Christ Jesus. God gives us glimpses of spiritual emotion and physical implication of being with God. The fruit of union with God was so sweet. That's why David the prophet said, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. There are some people who live off the words of God. All their hope are in the promises of God. All their praise is because of the love and mercy of God. Their mindset is based on the commandments of God. Everything has to do with the trust in the word of God. It becomes food. It becomes water. It becomes air for them. That's why in First Peter it says, "As new babes desire the pure milk, pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted the Word, is gracious. The Lord is gracious. The more I start with pure milk, something simple, and I grow, I will taste how gracious God is." Taste it in my mouth. Feel it. Enjoy it. Experience it. It's very important. There is important to know there is a a big comparison between the fruit of disobedience that Adam ate and the fruit of communion with God that comes out of obedience to his commandments. That's why faith grows a lot when we're obedient to the voice of God. Now the the human soul speaks, she says He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. The the banqueting the banqueting house could also be the wine house, the heavenly house, the church. It's the place the place of celebration, the place of marriage, the place when I can only enjoy Him and focus on Him. It's actually a beautiful story about um, Saint Isaac the Syrian who is known to be very very strict with his spiritual canons I said one time he, he stood up to pray before he eats and as he was praying he, his thoughts was taken to God and his heart was taken to God that he was not conscious of the fact that he had food in front of him until almost sunset the next day Saint John the short he used to make baskets and somebody would knock on his house to knock on his door to pick up on his cell to pick up the basket. He would open the door for him and tell him, what is it that you want? He'd be like, I want the basket to sell. he would be like, sure. By the time he goes back to his room because his mind is so set on prayer he forgets the guy at the door. This is the house of joy. When my mind can become fully, fully occupied by God. Entering the church is a big event for us That's why the church teaches us when I enter the church I say as for me in the multitude of your mercies I enter your house and I worship your holy temple in fear and Actually when the priest does the procession of incense He looks at the door of the church and he says that he opened for us the door of paradise And when he talks about wine Wine in the time of Solomon was known to be for comfort, for joy, for, as a painkiller. Wine could also be for a promise whenever people agree on something. There, it has so many beautiful meanings that are involved in the idea of took me into the house of wine. And then she's saying his banner over me was love after, after an, an, a, a king conquers a city he puts a banner over that city so she's saying God conquered me with love usually people conquer with violence with fear with oppression He's saying, she's saying that God conquered me with love if you look at my place in the wedding, you will find a big sign over me that says, I am beloved by God. I am conquered by His love. In the, in the Septuagint, it has a different translation. It says, He taught me the order of love. And then Augustine said, actually, something beautiful. He said, Sin disordered love sin does not mean that I don't love it means my priority of love is off and if you rightly order your love you will become more self-controlled have self-control you will become a free person the problem is I love myself I love my family I love my dreams, I love my ambition more than I love God. So the problem is there's an order of love that's off. Once she is in that banquet, she tells him, Sustain me with the cakes of raisin, refresh, refresh me with apples, for I am love sick. Here it comes to a point where she's physically weak and exhausted. The emotion of love is overwhelming physically. But as you read in this verse, you see that there's two elements to it. She's worn out by love, but she wants more of the same. God, I I am tired, but I want to pray more. I don't want to wake up early, but I want to come to church. I want more. Shows him, sustain me with cake of raisin. Obviously, cakes, cakes of raisin were used in religious festivals. And you'll see this in 2 Samuel 6:19. This is when David the prophet have received the ark back. And then the Bible says, Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both women and men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisin. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. The soul wants to be sustained by by attending the religious prayers, receiving the grace, being in his presence, being in his house. Shazam, refresh me with apples, for I am love sick. Apples are so sweet, which represents the Promises of God. When people remember the promises of God, they are refreshed. And she says, "I am love sick, and I over—I'm overcame by love." That's why David the prophet in Psalm 119 says, "My soul breaks with longing for Your judgment at all times." And in Psalm 84 he says, "My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God." Is a physical element that cries out to God. You know, sometimes, for example, you see this a lot, when people who are in a relationship and break break up, they'll find somebody who's not eating, not sleeping. Sometimes people can go to the emergency room, because they cannot handle the emotional distress of breaking up with a significant other. And that shows time maybe we have not yet fallen in love as much as we fall in love with other people. What would I do if I feel that God is far from me? You guys, remember St. Peter during the transfiguration, Mount of Transfiguration, when he saw something so beautiful. He was afraid, yes? But what did he say? He said, can we make three tabernacles? Can we sit here? Can we stay here? I don't want to move. I don't don't want to go anywhere else. St. Augustine said, The wound of love is health-giving. The bride of Christ sings in the song of songs, I am wounded with charity. When is this wound healed? When our desires are satted with good things. It is called the wound as long as we desire and do not yet have love you see in that case is the same as if it were a pain when we get there and when we have what we desire the pain disappears the love does not cease the soul the so there are some souls that cannot do anything but to hear the voice of god that's their ultimate desire there's actually a, a western saint She was describing her desire for God during Pentecost liturgy and she said that it seems to me I did not content my love. She felt like that there's something missing. I did not content my beloved and that my beloved did not fulfill my desire. So that dying I must go mad and going mad I must die. Just because she felt I, I did not unite with him the way I should. Her heart was beating and, and she, was, she was going literally crazy just because she wanted to taste him. At that level, when the desire of the human soul gets so high, sustain me with the cake of raisins, refresh me with the apples, I'm, for I am love over sick. Like, I'm constantly in the church, attending prayers. I am enjoying the promises of God. I can't, like, I just want Him. Then what happens? At that moment, you get a beautiful hug from God. Verse six, it says, His left hand is under my head, and His right hand embraces me. The Western Saint I'm telling you about, She said, continues on, she says, then he gave me himself, he gave himself to me in the shape of the sacrament, in its outward form. After that, he came himself to me, to me entirely, in his arms and pressed me to him, and all my members filled, filled filled him in full joy, in accordance with the desire of my heart. The real presence real love. Some people see the left hand to represent the divine support in temporal needs and the right hand is the promises of eternal life. God gives us all of our needs what's in the world and what's to come because we as a human have a desire and a thought to think about things beyond us because this is how God created us. Saint Cyril of Alexandria said, the law is said to be in his left hand and the gospel is on his right or the left hand is to be understood as as the present life and the right hand as the future, future life which indeed embrace me. Here, when I am hugged by God, it means that no longer the thoughts of the world are able to penetrate my heart and my mind. God, I see God in his left hand which is the smallest acts of love and I see him with the big right hand which is the powerful acts of love. This is what happens when I am in the bosom of God, the bosom of my Father. At the moment of rest at that moment of bond the human wants nothing but for this moment to go on I charge you daughter of Jerusalem by the gazelle or by the doze of the field do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases God rested when we are in his bosom God is happy when we come to him and sleep in his arms. God rests when he knows that his children trust in him. And she's 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 telling she's telling the, the the daughter of Jerusalem or the saints, she's telling them by the gazelle or by the those of the field, like the gazelle is known to be so beautiful. She's saying by the most beautiful thing you know by the most amazing things, you know, please do not disturb. She says, nor stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. God will leave the state of initial grace at some point. But we want God to decide when some people kick kick God out. You know in one of the Psalms we tell him, do not leave us to the end. We're not telling him not to leave us, but we're saying do not leave us to the end, do not leave us for too long. Another Psalm says, for a moment, and Isaiah, for a moment I have left you. Sometimes God would make us not feel his presence for a little bit, but it should be when he decides not when i kick him out because i am not allowing myself to be not distracted in the bosom of the father in the bosom of the father it's a beautiful thing to be in the bosom of the father the gazelle also here are known to be very fast so she's telling them by she's talking about how She's running in her relationship with God. St. Gregory of Nyssa said, an oath, she's giving them an oath, works in two ways. In the present text, the soul is progressing toward the highs, as we have seen. At the same time, she's instructing less advanced souls in the way of perfection. She uses the oath not to assure them of progress she herself has made, but to lead them through their oath to a life of virtue. She adjures them to keep their love alert and watchful until His good will come to fulfillment. That is, until all are saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So St. Gregory of Nyssa says, when she says, I charge you, daughter of Jerusalem, as human beings are tasting God, God will put on their ways other people that they might follow them impacted by them but she's not interested for them to follow her a specific way but she's interested in them to follow in the path of virtue that God has given her and this is the beauty of the initial period of grace it's a grace it's a period when I'm constantly having dialogue with God learning how to pray for the first time Experiencing God for the first time in my life, this period requires me to allow God to work as much as he can and to benefit from it as much as he can. Avoid distraction and avoid the things that could take me away from him and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.